Part three of Portrait of a Man with Red Hair by Hugh Walpole. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Part three Sea Fog Section three. She turned round upon him eagerly. You don't know what he can be like, the elder Crispin, I mean, and to a girl, an ignorant, conceited girl. Yes, I was conceited. That was the cause of everything. Father had all sorts of books in his room. I used to read everything I could see, French and German in a kind of way, and secretly I was very proud of myself. I thought that I was more learned than anyone I knew, and I used to smile to myself secretly when I overheard people saying how good I was to the boys and how unselfish, and I would think, that's not what I am at all. If you only knew how much I know and the kind of things, you'd be surprised. I was always thinking of the day when I would escape and marry. I fancied I knew everything about marriage, from the books that I had read and from the things that father said when he was drunk. I hadn't a nice idea of marriage at all. I thought it was old-fashioned to fall in love, but through marriage I could reach some fine position where I could do great things in the world, and always in my mind I saw myself coming one day back to my village, and everyone saying, Why, I had not an idea that she was like that. Fancy all the time she was with us. We never knew she was clever like this. She laughed like a child, a little maliciously, very simply and confidingly. He saw that she had for the moment forgotten her danger, and was sitting there in the middle of a dense fog on a lonely moor at a quarter past two in the morning with an almost complete stranger, as though she were giving him afternoon tea in the placid security of a London suburb. He was glad. He did not wish to bring back her earlier terror, but for himself now, with every moment that passed, he was increasingly anxious time was flying. Now they could never catch that train. And above all, what could have happened to Dunbar? He must surely have found them by now, had some accident not come to him. Perhaps he had slipped, as Harkness had done, and was now lying smashed to pieces at the bottom of that cliff. But what could he, Harkness, do better than this? While the fog was so dense, it was madness to move off in search of anyone and if the fog lasted were they to sit there until morning and be caught like mice in a kitchen and beneath his anxiety as his arm held the child at his side there was that strange mixture of triumph and pain of some odd piercing loneliness and a deep burning satisfaction meanwhile her hand rested in his soft and warm like the touch of a bird's breast when Mr. Crispin came, the elder, the father, and talked to me, I was flattered. No one before had ever talked to me as he did about his travels and his collections and the grand people he knew, just as though I were as old as he was. And then David, uh, Mr. Dunbar, was always asking me to marry him. I'd known him all my life, and I liked him better than anyone else in the whole world, but just because I'd always known him, he wasn't exciting. He was the last person I wanted to marry. Then Mr. Crispin made Father drink, and I hated him for that, and I hated Father for letting him do it. 
i went up to mr crispin's house and told him what i thought of him and he talked and talked and talked all about having power over people for their good and hurting them first and loving them all afterwards i didn't understand most of it but the end of it was that he said that if i would marry his son he would leave my father alone and would give me everything i should see the world and all life and that his son loved me and would be kind to me after that it was the strangest thing i don't say that he hypnotized me i knew that he was bad everyone in the place was speaking about him he had done some cruel things to a horse and there was a story too about some woman in the village but i thought that i knew better than all of them that i would save father and the boys and be grand myself and then i would show david that he wasn't the only one who cared for me and so i consented from that moment i promised i was terrified i knew that i had done a terrible thing but it was too late i was already a prisoner that is a hysterical thing to say but it is true they never let me out of their sight i was married very quickly after that i won't say anything about the first week of my marriage except that i didn't need books any more to teach me i knew the sin i'd committed but i was proud i was as proud as i was frightened i wasn't going to let anyone know what a terrible position i was in and especially david when we went to trellis david came too and waited in my heart i was so glad he was there you don't know what went on in the house the younger crispin wasn't unkind he was simply indifferent he thought of nothing and nobody but his father his father mocked him despised him scorned him but he didn't care he follows his father like a dog at first you know i thought i could make a job of it carry it through and then i began to understand first one little thing then another the elder crispin was always talking floods of it he was always looking at me and smiling at me after two days in the house with him i hated him as i hadn't known i could hate anyone when he touched me i trembled all over it became a kind of duel between us he was always talking nonsense about making me love him through pain and his eyes never said what his mouth said they were like the eyes of another person caught there by mistake then one day i came into the library upstairs and found him with a dog a little fox terrier he had tied it to the leg of the table and was flicking it with a whip he would give it a flick then stand back and look at it then give it another flick the awful thing was that the dog was too frightened to howl too terrified to know that it was being hurt at all he was smiling watching the dog very carefully but his eyes were sad and unhappy after that there were many signs i knew then two things that he was raving crazy mad and that i was a prisoner in that house they watched me night and day i had no money my only hope of escape was through david who was always getting word to me begging me to let him help me but i still had my pride although it was nearly beaten 
i wouldn't yield until until the night before you came then something happened something he tried to do the younger crispin stopped him that time but another time well there mightn't be anyone there that settled it all i let david know through you that i would go i had to go i couldn't risk another moment i couldn't risk another moment i tell you she suddenly sprang up caught at harkness's hand in an agony crying don't stay here don't stay here they can find us here we're going to be caught again oh please come please please she was suddenly crazy with terror had he not held her with all his force she would have rushed off into the fog she struggled in his arms pulling and straining crying not knowing what she said then suddenly she relaxed and would have tumbled had he not held her and murmuring i can't any more oh i can't any more collapsed so that he knew she had fainted seven he sat down on the stone laying her in his arms as though she were his child he was himself not strongly built but she was so slight in his hold that he could not believe that she was a woman he murmured words to her stroked her forehead with his hand she stirred turning towards him and resting her head more securely on his breast then her hand moved to his cheek and lay against it at last after a long while she raised her head looked about her stared up at him as though she had just awoken turned and kissed him on the cheek she murmured something he could not catch the words then nestled down into his arms as though she would sleep there began for him then sitting there staring out into the unblinking fog his hardest test as surely as never before in his life had he known what love truly was so did he know it now this child in her ignorance her courage her hard history her contact with the worst elements in human nature her purity had found her way into the innermost recesses of his heart he saw as he sat there with a strange almost divine clarity of vision both into her soul and into his own he knew that when she faced life again he would be the first to whom she would turn he knew that with one word one look he could win her love he knew that she had also never felt what love was he knew that the circumstances of this night had turned her towards him as she would never have been turned in ordinary conditions yes he knew this too that had they met in everyday life she would never have loved him would not indeed have thought of him twice he was not a man about whom any one thought twice with the exception of his sisters no woman had ever loved him this child driven to terrified desperation by the horrors of the last weeks had been awakened to full womanhood by those same horrors and he had happened to be there at the awakening that was all and yet he knew that so honest was she and good and true that did she once go to him she would stay with him he saw steadily into the future he saw her freedom from the madman to whom she was married then her union with himself his happiness and her gradual discovery of the kind of man that he was not bad oh no but 
older far older than herself in many other ways than years tired so easily caring nothing for all the young things in life above all a man in the middle state solitary from some elemental loneliness of soul it was true that to-night had shown him a new energy of living a new happiness a new vigour and he would perhaps after to-night never be the same man as he was before but it was not enough no not enough for this young girl just beginning life so ignorant of it so trustful of him that she would follow the path that he pointed out and for himself how often he had felt like nezhnev in virgin soil that everything that he had said or done during the day seemed to him so utterly false such useless nonsense and the thing that ought to be done was nowhere to be found unattainable in the depths of a bottomless pit well of to-night that was not true what he had done was useful was well done but to-morrow how would he regard it would it not seem like senseless melodrama the mad crispens his fall from the cliff this eternal fog how like his history that the most conclusive and eternal acts of his life should take place in a fog and this girl whom he loved so dearly if he married her and kept her for himself would not his conscience that eternal tiresome conscience of his would it not forever reproach him telling him that he had spoiled her life and would not he be forever watching to catch that moment when she would realize how dull how old how negative he was no he could not he could not then there swept over him all the fire of the other impulse why should he not at long last be happy could any man in the world be better to her than he would be after all he was not so old had he not known when he shared in that dance round the town that he could be part of life could feel with the common pulse of humanity did young dunbar know life better than he with him she had lived always and yet did not love him and then he knew with a flash like lightning through the fog that at this moment when she was waking to life and was trusting him he could by only a few words lead her to love dunbar she had always seen him in a commonplace homely familiar light but he harkness if he liked could show her quite another light could turn all this fresh romantic impulse that was now flowing towards himself into another channel but why should he was that not simply sentimental idealism dunbar was no friend of his he had never seen him before yesterday why should he give up to him the only real thing that his life had yet known but it was not sentimental it was not false youth to youth in years he was not so old but in his hesitating quixotic undetermined character there were elements of analysis self-questioning regret that would make any human being with whom he was intimately related unhappy sitting there staring out into the fog he knew the truth that he was a man doomed to be alone all his days 
that did not mean that he could not make much of his life have many friends much good fortune but in the last intimacy he could go to no one and no one could go to him he bent down and kissed her forehead she stirred moved sat up resting back against him her feet on the ground where am i she whispered oh yes she clung to his arm no one has come we are still alone no he answered her gently no one has come we are still alone eight what time is it she asked he looked at his watch half past two we have missed that train now i don't know and anyway there's probably another and david he's lost his way in the fog he'll turn up at any moment he stood up and shouted once again dunbar 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 no answer he stood over her looking down at her as she sat with drooping head she looked up at him i'm ashamed at the way i've behaved she said fainting and crying but you needn't be afraid any more i shan't give in again indeed he seemed to see in her altogether a new spirit something finer and more secure she put out her hand to him come and sit down on the stone again as we were before it's better for us to talk and then we don't frighten ourselves with possibilities after all we can't do anything can we so long as this horrid fog lasts we must just sit here and wait for david he sat down put his arm around her as he had done before the moment had come he had only now to speak and the result was certain the whole of his future life and hers he knew so exactly what he would say the words were forming on his lips hester dear i've known you so short a time but nevertheless i love you with all my heart and being when you are rid of this horrible man will you marry me i will spend all my life in making you happy and she oh without an instant's doubt would say yes would hide in his arms and rest there as though secure yes utterly secure for life but the battle was over he would not begin it again he clipped the words back and sat silent one hand clenched on his knee it was as though she were waiting for him to speak their silence was packed with anticipation at last she said what is the matter is there something you're afraid of that you don't like to tell me you needn't mind i'm through my fear no there's nothing he answered at last he said there is one thing i'd like to say to you i suppose i've no right to speak of it seeing how recently i've known you but i guess this night has made us friends as months of ordinary living never would have made us yes you're right in that she answered he knew what she was expecting him to say well it's about dunbar he could feel her hand jump in his he loves you so very much so terribly he isn't a man i should think to say very much about his feelings i've only known him for an hour or two and he wouldn't have said anything to me if he hadn't had to but from the little he did say i could see what he feels you're in luck to have a man like that in love with you she took her hand out of his then very quietly 
but very stiffly and answered but i've known him all my life you know that's just why i'm speaking about him harkness answered it's rather strange to have the friend of your life explained to you by someone who has known him only for an hour or two she laughed a little angrily but that's just why i'm speaking he answered when you've known someone all your life you can't see them clearly that's why one's own family always knows so little about one you can't see the wood for the trees in the first minutes a stranger sees more i don't say that i know dunbar as well as you do i only say that i probably see things in him that you don't see they had been so close to one another during this last hour that he felt as though he could see as through clear water deep into her mind he knew that during those last minutes she had been struggling desperately she came up to him victorious and smiling and putting her hand into his said tell me what you think about him simply that he seems to me a wonderful fellow he seems to you i expect a little dull you've always laughed at him a bit and for that very reason and because he's loved you for so long he's tongue-tied when you're there and shy of showing you what he really thinks about things he has immense qualities of character fidelity honesty devotion courage things simply beyond price and if you loved him and showed him that you did you'd probably see quite new things fun and spontaneity and imagination things that he had always been afraid to show you until now her hand trembled in his you speak she said as though you thought that you were so much older than both of us i don't feel that you are can't you she broke off he knew what she would say my dear and his voice was eloquently paternal i am older than both of you years and years older not physically perhaps so much but in every other kind of way i'm an old fogey nothing else you've both of you been kind to me to-night but in the morning when ordinary life begins again you'll soon see what a stuffy old thing i am no no think of me as your uncle but don't miss oh don't miss the love of a man like dunbar there is so little of that unselfish devoted love in the world and when it comes to you it's a crime to miss it but you can't force yourself to love anyone she cried sharply no you can't force yourself but it's strange what seeing new qualities in someone looking at someone from another angle will do try and look at him as though you'd met him for the first time forget that you've known him always i tell you that he's one in a million yes he's good she answered softly he's been wonderful to me always if he'd been less wonderful perhaps oh, i don't know perhaps i'd have loved him more but why are we talking about it aren't i married as it is oh that he made a little gesture of repulsion we must get rid of that at once oh it won't be very difficult she answered dropping her voice to a whisper he hasn't been faithful to me even during these weeks he put his arm around her and held her close as though he were most truly her father poor child he said poor child she trembled in his arms 
you she began you you don't don't you she could say no more i'm your friend he answered to the end of life your old avuncular friend that's my job think of your young friend freshly see what a fellow he is i tell you that's a man she did not answer him but stayed there hiding her head in his coat there was a long silence then stroking her hair he said hester dear i'm going to try once again he got up and putting his hands trumpet-wise to his mouth shouted through the fog dunbar 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 this time there was an answer clear and definite hello 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 he turned excitedly to her she also sprang to her feet he's there i can hear him dunbar dunbar the answer came more clearly hello 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 they continued to exchange cries sometimes the reply was faint once it seemed to be lost altogether then suddenly it was close at hand a ghostly figure was shadowed dunbar came running nine he caught their hands in his he was breathless he sank down on the stone beside them give me a, a minute I, i'm done lord this filthy fog oh where haven't i been he panted staring up at them with wide distracted eyes do you realize i, I failed it's no use our crossing in that boat now even if we could find it we've missed that train we're done nonsense harkness broke in why man what's happened to you this isn't like you to lose your courage we're not done or anything like it in the first place we're all together again that's something in a fog like this besides so long as we stick together we're out of their power they can't force us all of us back into that house again so long as we're out of that house we're safe oh are we said dunbar little you know that man i tell you we're not safe or hester's not safe until we're at least a hundred miles away but forgive me he looked up at them both smiling you're quite right harkness i haven't any right to talk like this but you don't know what a time i've had in that fog i had a little bit of a time myself said harkness well in the first place went on dunbar i was terrified about you i knew that you didn't know these cliffs well when the fog started i called to you to come back but you didn't hear me of course i was an idiot to let you start out at all and then when it came to myself climbing them i wasn't very successful i was nearly over the edge fifty times at least but at last when i did get to the top the ridiculous thing was that i started off in the wrong direction there i was only five minutes from the cottage and the pony and hester i know the place like my own hand and yet i went in the wrong direction god knows where i got to i was nearly over into the sea twice at least i kept calling your name but the only thing i heard in answer was that beastly bell i never went very far i imagine because when i heard your voice at last harkness i was quite close to it but just to think of it every other contingency in the world i considered except just this one it simply never entered my head well now said harkness let's face the fact it's too late for that train is there any other that we can catch 
there's one at six but i don't see ourselves hanging about here for another three hours nor if the fog doesn't lift can hester get down into that cove i'm not especially anxious to try it myself as a matter of fact no nor i said harkness smiling then we count the boat out there aren't many other things we can do we can take the pony and follow him he'll lead us straight back to trellis to whatever stables he came from a little too close to the crispin family i fancy secondly we can wait here until the fog clears that may be in three minutes time and maybe to-morrow you both know more about these sea fogs down here than i do but from the look of it it's solid till christmas a heat fog this time of year said dunbar within three miles of the sea can last for twenty-four hours or longer not as thick as this though this is one of the thickest i've ever seen well then continued harkness it isn't much good to wait until it clears the only thing remaining for us is to walk off somewhere the question is where is there any garage within a mile or two or any friend with a car it isn't three o'clock yet we still have time yes said dunbar there is i've had it in my mind all along as an alternative indeed it was the first thing of all that i thought of three miles from here there's a village cranach the rector of cranach is a sporting old man called banting during the last week or two we've made friends he's sixty or so a bachelor and he's got a car not much of a car but still it's something i believe if we go and appeal to him we'll have to wake him up of course he'll help us i know that he disapproves strongly of the crispins i thought of him before as i say but i didn't want to involve him in a row with crispin however now as things have gone it's got to be i can think of no other alternative good said harkness that settles it our only remaining difficulty is to find our way there through this fog i can start straight said dunbar left from the cottage and then straight ahead soon we ought to leave the downs and strike some trees after that it's across the fields i don't think i can miss it what about the pony asked hester we'll have to leave him he must be there for jabez in the morning or jabez will have to pay for both the pony and the cart they started off the character of the fog seemed now slightly to have changed it was certainly thicker in some places than in others here it was an impenetrable wall but there it seemed to be only a gauze covering hanging before a multitude of changing scenes and persons now it was a multitude of armed men advancing and you could be sure that you heard the clang of shield on shield and a thousand muffled steps now it was horses wheeling their manes tossing their tails flying now secret furtive figures that moved and peered stopped bending forward and listening then moved on again all the world was stirring a breeze ran along the ground rustling the short thin grass seagulls were circling the mist crying a ship at sea was sounding its horn figures seemed to press in on every side they linked arms as they went stumbling over the tussocks at every step it was strange how the sudden vanishing of the cottage left them forlorn it had been their one sure substantial hold on life 
they were in their own world while they could touch those ruined stones but now they walked in air nevertheless dunbar walked forward confidently he thought that he recognized this landmark and that now we veer a bit to the left he said we should be off the moor in another step they walked forward suddenly hester pulled back crying look out look out another instant and they would have walked forward into space the mist here twisted up into thinning spirals as though to show them what they had escaped they could just see the sharp black line of the cliff far far beneath them the sea purred like a cat they stopped where they were as though fixed like images into the wall of the fog dunbar whispered that's awful another moment it was hester who pulled them together again let's turn sharp about she said and walk straight in front of us at least we escape the sea they turned as she had said and then walked forward but in the minds of all of them there was the same thought someone was playing with them someone like an evil will-o'-the-wisp was leading them now here now there almost they could see his red pole gleaming through the fog and could hear his silvery voice running like music up and down the scale of the mist they were three of them worn with the events of the night they were beginning to walk somnambulously harkness found in himself now a strange kind of intimacy with the fog yes spell it with a capital letter the fog the fog some emanation of himself rolling out of him friendly and also hostile he and crispin were of the fog together they had both created it and as they were the good and the evil of the fog so was all life shapeless rolling hither and thither but having in its elements good and evil in eternal friendship and eternal enmity every part of his body was aching his legs were so weary that they dragged with him protesting his eyes were forever closing his head nodding he stumbled as he walked and at his side step with step in time the fog accompanied him a mountainous gray-swathed giant he was talking words were forever pouring from him words mixed with fog so that they were damp and thick before they ever were free in life there are not you know enough moments of clear understanding between nations between individuals those moments are too often confused by winds that blowing from nowhere in particular ruffle the clear water where peace of mind and love of soul for soul are reflected now the waters are clear let us look down yes he had read that somewhere in one of galleon's books perhaps no matter it meant nothing a fine sentiment what it means uh, well no matter don't you smell roses roses out here on the moor if it wasn't for the fog you'd smell them ever so many and so he tore the orvetto into shreds little scraps flying in the air like goose feathers what a pity such a beautiful thing hold up cried dunbar you're asleep harkness you'll have us all down he pulled together with a start and opening his eyes wide and staring about him saw only the disgusting fog 
this fog is too much of a good thing don't you think so i guess we could blow it away if we all tried hard enough you think americans always say i guess don't you the english books always make them but don't you believe it we only do it to please the english they like it it satisfies their vanity he seemed to be climbing an enormous endless staircase he mounted another step two and suddenly was wide awake what nonsense i'm talking i've been half asleep this fog gets into your brain he felt hester's arm within his he patted her hand encouragingly it's all right hester we'll be out of this soon just another minute or two by jove you're right dunbar cried these are trees and they were a whole row of them crusoe was not more glad to see the footprint on the sand than were those three to see those trees now i know where we are dunbar cried triumphantly here's the bridge and here's the lane what luck to have found it the trees seemed to step forward and greet them each one tall and dignified welcoming them to a happier country they were on a road and had no longer the turf beneath their feet the fog here was truly thinner so that very dimly they could see the mark of the hedge like a clothesline in mid-air they moved now much more rapidly and in their hearts was an intense and eager relief the fog thinned until it was a wall of silver nothing was distant but it was a world of tangible reality they could kick pebbles with their feet could hear sheep moving on the farther side of the hedge this is better said dunbar we'll get out of this yet cranach is only a mile or so from here i know this lane well and the fog's going to lift at last even as he spoke it swept up thick and gray deeper than before the trees disappeared the hedges they had once more to grope for one another's hands and walk close harkness could feel from the way that hester leaned against him and the drag of her feet that she was near the end of her endurance she said nothing only walked on and on they were all now silent they must have walked it seemed to them for miles an endless walk that had no beginning and no end and then harkness was strangely aware how he never knew that dunbar and hester were drawing closer together he felt that new relation that he had in a way created beginning to grow between them she drew away from harkness ever so slightly then suddenly he knew that dunbar had put his arm around her and was holding her up she was so weary that she did not know what she was doing but for that quiet resolute determined boy it must have been a moment of great triumph the first time in their two lives that she had in any way surrendered to him or allowed him to care for her harkness was once more alone they walked and walked and walked they did not know where they were walking but in their minds they were sure it was straight to cranach suddenly after as it seemed hours of silence in a dead world dunbar cried oh we're there oh thank god we're there this is the rectory wall a wall was before them and an open gate they walked through the gate only dimly seen stumbled where the lawn rose from the gravel then forward again down on to the gravel again the door was open 
like somnambulists they walked forward the door closed behind them like somnambulists awakened they saw lights a dim hall where flags waved for harkness there was something familiar quite close to him the chatter chatter of a clock like a coughing dog familiar he stared someone was standing looking at him and smiling with sudden agony in his voice as a man cries in a terrible dream harkness shouted out dunbar back back run for your life but it was too late that voice of exquisite melody greeted them i had no idea that of your own free will you would return my son only a quarter of an hour ago departed in search of you i welcome you back end of part three section three